Well, grace and peace, everybody. I want to thank you for joining us for one or another week of Bridging the Gap. And I am your host, Pastor Nate Brozier. And as you experienced last week, we had Isaiah Brozier speak for the first time on this podcast. And this week, we have another student from our homiletics class. His name is Chase Radford. I know you enjoy it. He's got a great testimony that he's going to share, and he's going to deliver a great, impactful message. So I hope you enjoy. God bless you. Hey, like he said, I'm Chase. I'll be taking over this week on Bridging the Gap. And this week we'll be talking about something that we've actually not addressed in depth on Bridging the Gap, and that's addiction. Addiction is something that we've all experienced to some extent, whether it was something that we've dealt with personally or something that a close friend or family member has gone through. And so I think we've all experienced the effect addiction can have on our lives, and I hope today's episode will be a blessing to you. So it's important that we define addiction. So what is it? What is addiction? C.S. Lewis defined addiction this way. He said the formula for addiction was an ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure. And that's exactly what my experience was, an ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure. I won't get too deep here because that would take way too long, but my experience with addiction started at a very early age. I was about 11 years old when I started watching porn. And I had seen things and talked about sexual things with my friends before this, and I was intrigued by it all. But it wasn't until, well, we'll call it experienced porn that I realized the potential of it. This quickly turned into an obsession, and it became a staple in my daily life. It affected how I thought of women and relationships, and eventually my marriage in ways I never imagined. We're told this lie that it's okay and we're not hurting anyone, but we fail to realize that we're programming our mind to think of intimacy and relationship in a way that cheapens it, reducing it down to nothing more than a throwaway pleasure. We don't realize it creates this fantasy of what love is supposed to look like, and so when we really fall in love with someone and go to be with them in that intimate kind of way, our expectations can be so out of whack that we might even start to wonder if the real thing matches up with what we get from porn websites where you can experience whatever it is you want and when you want in a matter of seconds. So let's rewind. I'm 11 years old and I start experiencing porn and I'm hooked. Sex is on my mind constantly and every chance I get I'm watching porn. Then at 14 I lose my virginity and I'm now not only addicted to porn but now I'm experiencing the real thing and constantly seeking it out to live out what I see on these websites. So there's that part of my life. Then at 15 15 years old, I try ecstasy for the first time. So let's think about this. I'm 15, I'm still a child, and I'm addicted to porn and pursuing sexual relationships, and now I'm also doing ecstasy, which is a pretty hardcore drug. Thinking back on it, I mean, it just sounds crazy, but ecstasy opened my eyes to a whole new world. I was like Aladdin flying around on my little magic carpet, and I could rub this lamp anytime and feel however I wanted to feel and go wherever I wanted to go which is very similar to how porn functioned for me. At least that's how it started. It didn't take long for me to realize this was it for me. This was my happy place. I was popping X almost every other day, plus I was smoking a lot of weed, drinking heavily, experimenting with acid, mushrooms, and other things. We then ended up moving from California to Indiana, away from my friends and the things I was involved in. After I moved, I got clean from everything but weed for a while, but it didn't take long for me to get involved with drugs here. They didn't exactly have what I liked here, though, so I quickly became creative with prescription and even over-the-counter medication. 
I also started drinking a lot more. I would still visit friends and family in California and I would go on these cocaine binges and I would still experiment with hallucinogens when the opportunity was presented. And that's the thing I've come to realize. It wasn't necessarily a single drug. I was still always looking to go to that next level regardless of what it was. I was always chasing the dragon. My drug and alcohol addiction continued well into my 20s. Even after God helped me shed my desire to do hard drugs and eventually my desire to drink, I still struggled with smoking weed and watching porn into my 30s. But praise God that he loves me and wants me and that his grace and mercy extends even to me. He brought me out of that darkness and he redeemed those areas of my life and now I'm in a place where I'm not only free, but God can use me to reach others and help them navigate through these things. It still amazes me how God can transform us and use us and our past for His glory and to touch the lives of those who are suffering. Going back to what C.S. Lewis said about addiction, it's so true. It's an ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure. And this is true for all types of addictions, drugs, sex, food, shopping, whatever it is that controls us. And the more I gave in, the less pleasing it would become. And so it became this constant thrill chasing with drugs and sex, and I was constantly trying to regain that feeling of ecstasy, that feeling of being on top of the world, that feeling of being invincible. I knew how good it felt for that brief moment in time, but it never lasted. I was always seeking new heights, only to find myself in a lower place than I was before, and it left me feeling empty every time. But Jesus gives us love, peace, and joy that never fail. Psalm 1611 says this about our Lord, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Look, every day in this life isn't going to be a good day, but there is a peace and a joy that Christ gives us that no one can take away. We may lose sight of it as we give into temptation, and in that sense we can give it up, but no one can take it from us. But it's not just the promise of peace and joy in any situation that we have in this life. And God will bless us in this life with experiences that surpass any drug. I believe God blesses us with things we enjoy and moments in this life that we treasure. But even greater is it when we experience the life-changing love, presence, and power of God. And even greater than that is the promise of eternal life in the presence of God and in His presence are eternal pleasures, pleasures that our minds can't even grasp. It's important that we talk about what causes addiction. So we're going to do something I would call like a root cause analysis. But the cause for addiction, this is typically in most cases, in fact I'd argue all cases, that these two things are at the root of addiction. One, lack of self-worth, and two, hopelessness. In scripture, Belial was a word that was used to personify wickedness and worthlessness. Now some will say that this is a specific demon or demonic entity, and others will say it is only a personification of evil, although in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 6.15 does give an instance of Belial being used as a proper name for Satan. Either way, Belial's main purpose was to lead people, the people of God, astray and to accept false idols into their lives. The Hebrew word that is translated to idol Eliel means good for nothing or of no value. And so we have this interesting dynamic between feelings of self-worthlessness and Belial leading people away from the true God, Yahweh, and the worship of worthless false idols. There's the old adage that you become what you gaze upon. 
As a result, when we turn from God and truth to the idolatry of addiction, we accept worthlessness. And this worthlessness internalizes and manifests in various ways, both mentally and spiritually. And when we turn from God and truth, what hope can we really have? So when we embrace hopelessness and worthlessness, whether at a conscious or subconscious level, we see how things like peer pressure, stress, trauma, abuse, environment, mental and physical health can trigger addiction. Addiction becomes a form of escapism where we see a way out of the hopelessness and worthlessness we feel, even if only for a moment, by giving into these ever-diminishing pleasures. The end game for our adversary, the devil, is to lead us deeper into idolatry and its resulting worthlessness. And that could be its own whole episode, really, but remember, anything that pushes God to the side and replaces Him at the center of our life is idolatry. This isn't limited to drugs and porn. It can be things that, unlike drugs and porn, aren't themselves inherently evil, like food, social media, entertainment, our jobs, our kids, our husband, our wife, even ourselves. Arthur W. Pink, who is held as one of the most influential evangelical authors in the second half of the 20th century, said this, The great mistake made by most of the Lord's people is in hoping to discover in themselves that which is to be found in Christ alone. I'd go even further and say that humans in general look everywhere but to Christ to find that which can only be found in Christ. And sometimes we find something, a new and exciting pleasure or concept that captivates us, and we seek it instead of seeking Christ. This is where I believe we see the roots of addiction start to take hold. The key thing we need to understand about addiction is that the things we are addicted to are only a symptom of the problem. We can see that the root cause for addiction almost always comes down to worthlessness and hopelessness. And it's here in these dark places where the enemy can grip us and pull us deeper into darkness. So what do we do? I want to give you three steps you can take right now to help you or a loved one with addiction. Acknowledge the issues in your life. We often use drugs and even porn and extramarital sex as a means to not just have that moment of pleasure, but to sweep life's problems under the rug or stuff them in a closet. And in doing so, we end up just making a bigger mess, even a disaster of our lives and the lives of those around us. Maybe there are people who have caused you problems and have hurt you or traumatized you that you need to forgive. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. So we have to identify the root of the issues that are driving our addiction. You can't have a successful plan of attack if you don't know what it is you're attacking. Number two is to repent and seek the Lord. The Lord is near to all who call on Him and to all who call on Him in truth. That's Psalm 145, 18. It is Christ alone who is our greatest source of strength. It is the power of God that delivers you, and it is in Christ we find hope. In Him we find our true identity. And the third one is to saturate your life with prayer and the Word of God. Psalm 119.9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. We need the Word of God. And not just to read it but to study it, to meditate on it. 1 Peter 5, 6-10 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering 
are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. This happens in prayer. It's getting on your knees in that lonely place and look up and have all your self-loathing and hopelessness ripped away by looking up to God and just saying, you know. This kind of relationship we must seek with our Savior. We have to want this. Prayer is the driving force in the Christian life. We learn this from the Word and we can learn it from the Lord's heavy hand of providence. Look, you don't have to recite some special incantation or magical prayer that someone received from divine revelation. All you have to do is seek the Lord Jesus Christ and turn from your sin. Ask Him to help you stay on the narrow path, stay in the Word and in the presence of God. There is no other way but through Him that we can truly be set free from the vices of this world. We all have to recognize that there will never be a time where we won't need Jesus. We may have sprints where we think we're doing okay and think, okay, thanks, I, I got it from here, but, but don't give in to that. Don't give in to that lie that you are enough. None of us are. We all need God. There will never be a time where we won't need the power of the Holy Spirit carrying us if we live a life truly reliant on Him from whom all blessings come. We also must be aware of the devil's schemes to make those who are in Christ feel condemned for their past. That Christ's sacrifice may have been enough for others, but not yours. That's a lie. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit will convict us, yes, and we need that conviction driving us to repentance, driving us daily to die to our flesh, to our natural inclination to sin. But there is no condemnation. But maybe even after hearing all I have had to say to you, you still feel hopeless. Maybe you still don't see the value in you. Maybe you've come to grips with your issues and you know you need to change, but still think, why? What's the point? Who am I? What hope is there for me? I'm nobody. What am I worth to God? Let me put it this way. Do you see this Pokemon card? I don't find it very appealing, to be quite honest. Not only would I not pay a dime for it, but I wouldn't even want it. I just have no desire to have it. It has no value to me whatsoever. To me, it's worth nothing. However, a guy named Logan Paul thought it was worth something. So much, in fact, that he bought this Pokemon card. Do you know how much he paid for it? $5,275,000. Now the question we have to ask is this. Is it worth it? Is this Pokemon card worth $5,275,000? Absolutely. Because worth is based on whatever someone is willing to pay for it. Look, I'm a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul, and that somebody is Jesus. And Jesus died an excruciating death for you because he decided you were worth it. 
You were worth every whip, every punch, kick, every spit in the face, every thorn, every drop of blood, and every spike that nailed him to that rugged old cross. Not because of anything you do to accrue value, but because that's just how much he values you. God created you. He created your soul because he desires you. He doesn't need any of us or anything we have to offer, but he wants us. He desires us. The Bible says he's jealous for us and he's jealous for you. God, the creator of the universe and everything in it desires a relationship with you and wants to spend the rest of eternity with you so much that he paid the ultimate price for you. And I want to pray right now. And if you are going through addiction at any level with anything, porn, drugs, food, video games, music, social media, shopping, certain thoughts, whatever it is, I want you to join me. If you know someone who's dealing with this, join me and we'll pray for them. But, but let's pray. Dear Lord, you are the maker of our soul. And you died for us on the cross. Lord, you gave it all on the cross because you love us. Because you wanted to redeem us. You wanted to restore us in our relationship with you, Lord. And right now, we, we come to you looking for that restoration. We look for, we pray for that restoration of our soul, Lord, to be in right standing with you. That you will restore the areas of our life that have been destroyed by addiction, whether it's our health, our minds, our families, our situations, our jobs, our, our finances, whatever it is, God, we have placed something else above you. And we pray that you would forgive us, that you would wash us clean of that, Lord. It is only you who can do that, God. It is only you who can restore us. Lord, we pray that if there's any darkness that is manipulating our minds, our bodies, that is trying to cause us to continue in these damaging behaviors, Lord, we pray that you would make it leave now. That you would set us free from all evil. Lord, we turn, we turn, and we turn to you, God. Lord, we, we pray that you would help us to feel your love and affection, that we would not lust for it anywhere else, God, that we wouldn't look to drugs, that we wouldn't look to sex, that we wouldn't look to shopping, to food, to entertainment, to social media, Lord, to give us the peace and the joy and the love that only you can give. Lord, we seek you. Lord, we seek you. And in Jesus' name, amen.